On today's top four review, we have a battle for Manchester at the Etihad. Liverpool fin- uh, visit the south coast of England. Chelsea go to Merseyside to face a silverless Everton. Ginger Mourinho against a special one. Jamie Vardy's party is going all night long, and Arsenal go across town looking for a win. I'm your host, Andrew Scanlon, and fellow Liverpool supporter, and I'm joined by my brother, Stephen Scanlon, also another Red. All right, Stephen. Doing great. Another great week for Liverpool. Convincing win. A couple of our rivals lost some points. Sitting in a great place after week 16. Love it. And we're also joined by Chelsea fan who's currently blue in more ways than one, Paul Hogan. Been better, Andrew. Been better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have an incredible show today. So let's start with the league leaders and European champions, my boys in red, Liverpool. Um, They went to the south coast of England. There were seven changes from this game. We saw Salah and Firmino back in the lineup, and Liverpool just absolutely dominated this match. As we've seen with these two sides coming up against each other in the past, Liverpool have just dominated every every game for the most part. Um, Naby Keita finally got his start, and boy, did he look good. He gets a goal uh, along with Oxlade-Chamberlain and Mo Salah. Steven, Liverpool looked very, very comfortable in this game. Oh, yeah. Just like, you know, the last um, you know, the last three or four games against these guys, it uh, feels like I think they said even on TV, it was like the last four or five games in a row, we've won by at least three three goals, you know, against Bournemouth. So we've definitely had their number, and it definitely continued today. Um, even out of the gate, we were definitely the better team from that opening kickoff. Um, but I will say, a uh, tough loss for us with uh, with Lovren going down. You know, the second now he's now our second center back injured, so we're going to be relying on Van Dyke and uh, Gomez going forward. That being said, the the game changed completely when Trent Alexander Arnold came in the game. The moment he came in the game, it was just like we took that we took this to another gear. We completely dominated the game. He played amazing, and honestly. Now, once that happened, it was it was pretty convincing at that point. Um, you know, Kaito looked good. Um, then you look at the Bournemouth side. Um, you know, a tough tough break for them with Ake getting hurt. He was having a hell of a year. You know, potentially maybe, maybe even going back to Chelsea. You know, I, I heard a couple of rumors about that. But yeah, tough ham- <clears throat> tough hamstring injury for him. And uh, Callum Wilson too also pulling up in the second half. So. Uh, tough game for Bournemouth, but if you're a red like like us, I mean, hey, we'll take the three points. No, and other than Lovren, no major injuries, and um, you know, on to the next week. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of injuries in this game. Um, I think Lovren trained today or yesterday, so I think the injury was more of a knock than anything. Um, I think he traveled with them to Salzburg as well. That's good. <laughs> um, so that's only good news for the Reds. But yeah, once once he went out, we saw Trent come in. Um, Gomez slid over to to center back, and I gotta say, he he looks so much more comfortable over uh, in the center of the park with alongside Dan, uh, Van Dyke. You know, he whenever he gets the ball in the right wing, he is very limited going forward, probably less so than even uh, Aaron Wan Bissaka, which is saying a lot because that yes, guy can't, can't attack for shit. But um, yeah, I mean, he it just limits our attack. It, it really narrows the field for our offense and our defense and the opposing team. Um, so definitely good to see Trent back in there. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to Gomez, I mean, you and I definitely agree. I mean, he's he's not an outside back. He he's definitely not. But in a game like this, when you're playing against a team like Bournemouth or or a lower level level team, 
you can get away with a move like that. But when you're playing against the top tier teams, the cities, Leicester, Chelsea, or even, you know, out in Europe, he can't be out there because that's when he gets exposed. But I think when you play a team like Bournemouth, you can get away with that. And honestly, in the first 15, 20 minutes before Lovren came out, he was actually playing pretty solid in that position and wasn't too, too bad going forward. But in any other game against a top team, no, I definitely don't want him at right back. Yeah, I mean, he's decent at keeping possession, but he, he just can't attack down the wing. He's not going to beat any defender one-on-one, and his distribution isn't nearly as uh, profound as Trent Alexander-Arnold. But, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, Paul, going to you, we, we, we didn't see Sadio Mane in this, in this game, and it was no problem for the Reds. Yeah, like you said, uh, seven changes, and they all seem to contribute in some way. Uh, Ox just keeping his form going. I I'd like to see uh more starts for him. And Definitely. uh <laughs> as well, keeping his form going. Shakiri, the new hair, just <laughs> looking good while he's doing it. I mean, Klopp's got you guys ticking on all cylinders with these uh changes he's making and it's pretty impressive. Yeah, Stephen, go ahead. Yeah, I mean <sighs> Listen, uh, it was really nice to see Kite to get a start. Um, you know, he has all the potential in the world. And even after the game, Klopp was mentioning, hey, listen, I've never had a doubt about the guy's skill and his ability. You know, he just has getting really bad luck with injuries and a lot of stuff like that. But um, he's really, um, I think today really showed he's actually starting to form a little partnership, I think, with Salah. Um, you know, they assisted each other's goals. They both had nice goals. I mean, Salah's heel pass to Kaita was beautiful, but... Um, when I look at Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, I was actually really concerned when I saw the team lineup because I don't think he plays very well in that forward, you know, front three spot. I don't think that's really where he belongs. I think he belongs in one of the midfield three. Um, but the fact that he got a goal, I mean, it was really bad goalkeeping uh, <laughs> by, by Ramsdale. But, hey, I mean, great ball by Henderson over the top, smart by Ox just to get a foot on it and get it into play. Uh, get in front of the net for the goal. But um, I was actually really impressed with him in that spot, actually. So uh, Kaita and Ox, both of them together, it's really nice to see him be able to play together. But the fact that they both played really well, uh, it's definitely a good side for uh, Liverpool, especially for the rest of the month of December. Yeah, it seems like all of the all of the subs that have come in have really made a, an impact on each game that they've been in. I mean, we saw Origi and Shaq last game um, where they each had a, had a goal. Um, I think Shaq had an assist as well. But, um, no, I mean, Klopp is keeping these guys ready, and especially in this festive period when there's so many games for every single team out there, and especially us with the um, Club World Cup coming up and, um, uh, and Boxing Day, all those fixtures. It's just it's important to have a, uh, an in-depth squad like this where players can come off the bench and just really make an impact, and I'm so stoked that we have that. But it's interesting to see, that, yeah, Ox got, uh, got that ball over the top from Henderson, they keep going to that play. It's like the, they're waiting for the defenders to turn off for that split second, just go around the shoulder, and you're automatically in because the distribution from our midfielders, our outside backs, and even our center backs now is out of control. And we covered that a little bit last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, yeah, unbelievable to see. But I think also, though, Wick, when you have, when you have a, like an Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain in form who usually plays in that center attacking role, 
or you have a Nabi Kaita who's having a really good game and really dangerous going forward, that's that's when that path opens up. Because as a center back, you have to be honest about what's actually, you know, about those midfielders and giving them time and space. So you're now going to creep up a couple feet. Yep. So when that happens and you open up that space, and this is when Liverpool's really dangerous is when they have this creative midfielder in place. When when they have to take a couple steps forward, we have the pace all across our front three to beat you over the top. Oh, so 100%. that's it. And I think that's why we're you're seeing a lot of that right now is because a lot of teams are trying to shut down that pass from the midfield to the forward. And then we have this skill in our, def- center, our center defensive mid or our defensive line to hit that ball over the top. So I think that's why you're seeing a lot more right now. I think it must uh, it's worth mentioning as well. It was pretty disappointing from Bournemouth. A little unlucky with Callum Wilson getting injured. You know, and all the injuries in the game in general, but and Nathan Ake, yeah, 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 and Ake, but yeah, they just they weren't ready to go. Yeah, you know, they just never really perform well against the Reds. I don't know really what it is. I think that I think it's that they actually come out and try to play football. Right. You know, they don't they don't just pack it in against us. Um, and you know, when teams do that, if you're not a top side, you you can get punished very very easily. But. It, and uh, I think because of that too, uh, I think this actually might be this might finally be the year where Eddie Howe might end up leaving Bournemouth. Um, and I know the table's congested right now, but they have fallen down to uh, you know towards the bottom half of the table. Um, yeah, they're struggling. And, and I think right now too, with all, all the coaching coaching changes happening, you know, there's a good chance that Eddie Howe, you know, could take control of a uh, you know a, a European team. And yeah, I think and I think he deserves that opportunity as well. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, I just want to add one more thing. Mo Salah was my fantasy pick of the week last week. He had a goal and an assist. So, Andrew Scanlon, spot on again. If you're taking bets, put your faith in me. Uh, Game of the week, City against United. Uh, I think we all kind of screwed up here. We all all took, took, uh, took City, but they were downed at the Etihad, two to one to United. City dropping points at home. Rashford, I think we called this one, though, was a problem for the City defense throughout. Um, United were up for this game. They they played great counterattacking football. And one thing I noticed was Aaron Wan-Bissaka really, really kept Raheem Sterling quiet. Um, He didn't offer much on the attacking side, obviously, but his defensive qualities, um, you can't speak enough about them. But, but Paul, it sounds like uh, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer got his tactics spot on against Pep Guardiola. He really did spot on. This is two games in a row uh, against Jose last week or last time out and Spurs and now against City. So I think we're seeing a trend here that United are are really a counterattacking team uh, when they're at their best. And it explains some of their some of their struggles this season against lesser sides and teams that um, don't want you know to dominate the ball, or they come to Man U and they don't expect to dominate the ball. So, you know, it makes them play a little bit of a different style. But as you said, uh, Rashford just he could have he could have scored four goals that game. Mm. He hit he hit the crossbar. He he looks really good. And Martial as well uh, showing up for this one, getting a goal and. Um, Aaron Juan Basaka just being all over Raheem Sterling, uh, Luke Shaw on the other side, all over Bernardo Silva. Yep. It was really a masterclass from United. 
Yeah, I thought it was definitely uh, their best game of the season so far. Um, Steven, anything to add? Yeah, no, I mean, I think you got – I think you uh, – Paul said it really well. Um, I mean, for me, the the thing that really surprised me was how well the out, outside backs played for United. Um, I was not anticipating Juan Bissaka being able to shut down Sterling like he did and play that well. Um, that really w- went a long way. And you could tell the defensive line got did get that little bit of a boost that we talked about last week from Luke Shaw getting in the lineup. Um, but yeah, you know, I honestly, at the end of the day, you know, I think if, I think if Man City was healthy along that back line, this probably would have been a little bit of a different story, but, um, I mean, tactically, you know, this, he, Ole, you know, he did, he did everything right. It's exactly what you, how you got to play to beat, uh, to beat Man City and we'll get, we'll get to it in a little bit, but, uh, I think Pep's comments were, you know, pretty big, but I know we're going to get to that in a little bit. Yeah, you know, this United side, I hate to say it, it actually kind of reminds me of, of Liverpool, maybe when Klopp first came in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of firepower, heavy, heavy metal football when Klopp first came into Liverpool, um, putting up a lot of goals, but they couldn't defend worth a damn. Um, but when they played against the bigger sides, who actually came out and played against them as well, they really put up numbers. They put up goals on them. They put up everything. Yeah, um, but yeah when- I, got, I got a stat for you actually on that. Yeah, you know that. So this year, so in six games against Liverpool, Arsenal, City, Chelsea, Tottenham, and Leicester, those six teams, they have fourteen points in those six games. Wow, out of eighteen. Wow. And then out of the rest of their uh, ten games against everybody else in the league, they have ten points. Like, does that not describe exactly yeah. what the team was when Klopp took over Liverpool? That is the exact right. same thing. If you thing park the bus against this team, you're forcing them to pass the ball around more, and you know, you know, you're forcing more mistakes on them, and they're actually the ones being counterattacked. So, uh, I think there's a recipe for defeating United, and I think a lot of teams might have found it out. Mm-hmm. But exactly. Um, yeah. But but it's also that thing, you know. What I mean, it's just like, do you want to be that team that that you know parks the bus? You know, what I mean, especially when you're a top team, you want to attack. So that that that's always the you know kind of the double edged sword. So it's always tough to to play that way when you're a top team. Yeah, something I want to I want to mention to you, Stephen, is is Fred has been improving with every single game that I've noticed. I mean, ever mm-hmm. since we shat on him on our first. For a second episode, <laughs> yeah. it seems like he's getting is getting better and better. I mean, is he is this kind of what United expected when they when they bought him in the first place? Well, honestly, I don't think Mourinho wanted him in the first place. I mean, when, <laughs> when when Mourinho left, he even said like he he didn't. Fred was his like C option. You know, he wanted two guys ahead of him before he before he had to settle on Fred because Man United wouldn't pay for other people. Um, so I think, to be honest, what kind of what I see is the the effect that's ha- happening on Fred. In my opinion, is very similar to what's happening with William at Chelsea. Well, he's just, you know, Ole is saying something to him, giving giving him that faith and giving him that belief, and 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 in turn, Fred's believing in himself way more back to when he was before he came to United. And now we're seeing the glimpses of what he can potentially be on a consistent basis. Yeah. I mean, honestly, he has a pretty easy job, I think, of just maybe feeding the ball to Rashford in space and be like, hey, Rashford, go get this. You know? <laughs> yeah, very true. We'll, we'll see what happens when he faces against those uh, bottom side teams, if he can, uh, can distribute like that. But, Paul, this, one, this last one's to you. Um, Pep Guardiola, after this game, speaking about the Man City defeat to United, he said, 
And I quote, this is the level we faced against Liverpool, United, Barcelona, Madrid, and Juventus. They are the teams we have to face. And the reality is maybe we are not able to now compete with them. This is Manchester City under Pep Guardiola, champions of England. What the hell is he talking about? I really, I, it was shocking for me. Have we ever heard Pep talk this way? No. Ever, anywhere? It's the most negative I've ever heard him. Yeah. So the only thing I can think is it's a little motivation, a little extra added motivation. It has and, to be. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't disagree with him. The way his team is currently with the injuries like we've talked about, they're so uh, fragile in the back and – susceptible to teams like this that have speed and can counter and it's just becoming more and more obvious so yeah right now they can't compete with those teams no question but when they get healthy I'm sure they'll they'll be right back to where they were yeah I mean for Pep's sake let's hope uh it's after the uh the group stages of the Champions League because we all know he wants that coveted Champions League trophy um, but I'm wondering, Stephen, is this maybe a hint of him wanting out this summer? Is is that the case here? Honestly, the I, I know we talked we talked last episode where I talked talked about the Freudian slip when he said mm-hmm. Bayern Munich yeah. over, over Man City, <laughs> and then we get these quotes today. I'm just telling you right now, he's starting to feel the pressure of not winning the Champions League there, and I know he we all know that he's under a shit ton of pressure to win one there he he has gotten ridiculous transfer fees and i think it's a couple of things i think a he's feeling the pressure b he's seeing teams like like liverpool and then now leicester and these chelsea and united and tottenham teams that don't nearly have the same level as talent as city but they're still competing with them on this high level yep. i think he's starting to realize like it may not be possible here. And I think now he's actually really starting to consider, I think I might be gone after this year because if you look at what's coming after this year, you know, all like a lot of the key pieces, like, you know, Fernandinho is going to be a year older. That's a really key piece for them. Um, and then just how great Liverpool has continued to get year after year. He's losing like, David Silva. He's losing David Silva. Like it, it's not his job right now. is not going to get any easier. He can't just keep throwing money at the problem. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does a little hiatus next year and then goes <laughs> to another team again. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that the city board or the owners will, would fire Pep Guardiola. That's just something they would never ever even dream oh, of. No, he would leave on his it own. It would be him leaving. Yeah. And if I were to pick where he would go, I I would personally love to see him go to like an AC Milan. But, you know, someone with big pockets, someone who has been in the depths for a little while. But I if it's Pep that we're talking about, he's probably gonna go to a big side that oh, also yeah. has a lot of money and mm-hmm. is already at the top of the table. You know? Well, I remember, well, I remember though, I think it was right when he left Barcelona and he went to, he went to Bayern Munich. I think it was then he may have still been at Barcelona, but somebody interviewed him about like what his goals were as a coach. And he mentioned that he wanted to win, um, you know, the championship at like numerous different leagues. Yep, so right. I wouldn't be surprised if Italy's he does go next. to 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to Italy and then, you know, after, you know, three or four years there. Because he, he could take over in, in Inter Milan and AC Milan in just a year or two and get them up until, like, where they used to be. Like, I have no question about that. Yeah. Um, well, and I think that might, be even more of a, that might be even more of a fun project for him, too. Yeah, maybe he goes to PSG. <laughs> yeah, that could that, so that that would be actually, perfect that fit for him. Be yeah, <laughs> that actually, be, actually wouldn't be bad either. Yeah. Um, all right, but moving moving on to to the next game, uh, Everton against Chelsea. Paul, sorry to say this, but Everton Everton bounced back from their Liverpool game where they lost five to two. This time they have no Marco Silva. He's replaced with Duncan Ferguson. Um, Calvert Lewin had two goals, and Chelsea just just didn't look themselves. Uh, um, Paul, I mean, you guys haven't had a clean sheet since. October 19th against Newcastle and somehow Evertonians punished the Blues. Well, I know you're not really sorry because this was your upset pick of the week. So It was my upset pick of the week. <laughs> it's, on, it's on fire. Well done Rolling once again. What's this, high. three in a row? This is three in a row, uh, four in a row if you include Mo Salah too. Oh, boy. Fancy pick of the week. Well, we all... We all are going to be listening to Andrew from now on. No, but, yeah, I mean, Everton came out. They're at home. Um, they came out with a lot of energy, looked like a completely different side than they were yep. previously. Yep. And, yeah, I mean, I think we could have been looking forward to our Champions League game uh, coming up tomorrow a little bit and overlook these guys, which you can't do in the Prem against anybody. That's just that's just unprofessional. Yeah, and I think you even said that last week. I think before we ended the show, you said, be careful of, of Everton. Um, clearly, you were right there. Yeah, I, I knew it was going to be a tough game, but I, I didn't see them beating us. And, yeah, going back to your, your no clean sheets since October 19th, um, We've had five all season, so it's really been pretty pretty bad defensively. Thankfully, we've scored just tons and tons of goals, but still, you can't you can't keep that up over the whole season and it's, expect to be successful. Part of that is um, actually a, a defensive stat that says a lot. We haven't kept a clean sheet without Tomori and in, in back at the at center back for us, so. He would, he didn't play this game obviously, and I think that was also part there of the an, issues. Is there an injury there? No, he against Man City he didn't play very well, so uh, there's been some some rotation there. But um, but he so Zuma is a hot topic for for Chelsea Twitter, um, and I know Carlito at London is calling podcast has an absolute hatred for the guy he's right um but i mean that third goal i watched it i at first when i saw it i thought capa just gave a really bad pass and zuma was like what the hell are you doing but when you look back at it it was a oh it wasn't a great pass but zuma didn't even move yeah if you're a center back you need to get to that ball and all of a sudden you're back on your heels and theo walcott's running at you yeah, it, it's one of those where he at least has to go and try to make it close and foul, foul. the guy if he doesn't yep. get it. And then what really did it for me 
on top of that was he didn't track back during the play. He just kind of started walking back after the ball passed him by. It was and, pitching. Yeah, and and uh, it ended up just kind of being a loose ball, scrum in the box, and Calvert Lewin. That was a trash goal. Calvert Lewin put it home, but he absolutely could have gotten to that loose ball if he would have mm-hmm. just ran back into the play. So, no excuse, no excuse for him. And he, in my opinion, he has to be benched. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be this Champions League game just because it's the biggest game of the season for us. And yeah. Lille has a big, strong forward. But, um, yeah, I, I don't see him being the long-term solution for our center back. Does uh, uh, is, Has Rudiger been training? He actually just got deemed fit today. So Okay. Deemed fit meaning he's welcome available. back into training or available for a pick uh, to start? Available for team selection. Oh wow! Okay. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting. He's he's definitely a starter, no question about it. Yeah, I mean he's your number one guy right now. I mean when I look at your team, dude, like I know Andrew asked you last week about you know your transfer options, and you know I I agree that you know I think Zaha or Sancho would be a good fit on your team, but like this this January window, even if. Even if Lampard's given you know 150 mil, anything like that, I'm I'm only if I'm a Chelsea fan, I would only want one, maybe two people because you don't want to you know you want to you know continue to reward these young guys who are working hard, especially up front. Yeah. But if I if I if I can, I'm going out and getting a number one center back. I don't care what I, I don't even care what I have to pay for it. I'm getting a number one center back because. Zuma sucks. I, I I cannot believe these words are coming out of my mouth, but I agree with Carlito. <laughs> and Zuma is I, – when I watch him play, especially as a center back myself, I cringe. I'm just yeah. like, this guy is absolutely doo-doo. It is really bad. I don't want to see this. My question for you, though, is it seems like now we have – you guys have your outside back set. It's, it's yeah. Espelicueta and – Reese James, which I said a couple weeks ago, Reese James needs to be starting. How comfortable are you with those two as the outside backs starting Tamori and Christensen, though? Yeah, exactly. That's that's actually what I I called for uh, for our back line to look like for this game uh, was Tamori and Andres as the center backs because uh, against Villa, Zuma also wasn't that great. Um, and if Frank's going to be consistent with the rotations and taking the guys out that don't play well, that's got to be Zuma. So, yeah. um, no. Who would, you, who would you start next to Rudiger? That's the, that's exactly that's exactly. Question. So, I mean, for me, it's got to be Christensen. Yeah, no, it, but I mean, out of the two, out would of you the pick? two, it's got to be Tamori just based on the way he's played this season. Mm. Andres, great feet. He's going to be a great player and probably a starter as well at some point. But between those three, we're, we're, we're good. That's, that's the main thing is getting Rudiger healthy and keeping him healthy. And if he can't do that, then we absolutely have to go buy somebody. And even so, I, I want to bring back Nathan Ake just to have mm-hmm. another center back that's proven in the league and can play with his feet. He'd fit right in. Ex-Chelsea guy as well, so. Yeah, I think Ake, I mean, depending on how bad this hamstring injury of his is, I think he would have been, like, 
the perfect like guy that you could run out as your number one center back for just the second half of the year yeah. and then bring in and then bring in a main guy in the summer. I think he, cause he, he wouldn't really cost that much. You know what I mean? I we think have 40 million buyback on him as well. So yeah, that's exactly. So that's you would, yeah. You wouldn't have, I was going to say probably 30, 40 million. So that's right on both there. They would have had to pay. So yeah, I, it, that would have been a perfect thing. I, this injury might rule that out, but you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, Stephen, on the opposite side of the pitch, Keen and, and Holgate kept Tammy Abraham, who's been lighting up this season, very, very quiet. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think he had a few opportunities from some crosses from you know Pulisic and and Willian, but he just couldn't get on the end of them. No, no, you couldn't. I mean, hey, I mean, you got to give Everton a lot of credit, Duncan Ferguson a lot of credit. He he had his guys playing with a lot of emotion and a lot of energy. Obviously, that can happen when the new coach comes in. But, you know, having a guy – this is what's nice about having an interim manager who used to be a player. He understands the culture of the team. He knows what's expected. And he brings that passion and that energy to every single game. And I guarantee we'll see it again this week. But, honestly, it was uh, – you know, for me as a – you know, I mean, I hate Chelsea. I hate Everton too. So, whatever. But it was really fun watching this game because Duncan Ferguson's energy – was through the roof. And you could tell that his players were really feeling that too. I mean, he was so animated on the touchline. He he was pulling a Jose Mourinho and hugging the ball boys. I don't know what the, the deal is with these ball boys, but they are getting a lot of action. If you're a yeah, ball boy, that, keep your head on a swivel because you're yeah, ready that, to go. That one ball boy literally jumped into his arms. <laughs> and he was holding him. He was carrying him around like it was his Spinning son. him around. They just won the you know Champions League final. It was unbelievable. Yeah, but Goodson Park was was lively and loud. And and Duncan Ferguson was super passionate, and, and even you know, Theo Walcott, Theo Walcott in the uh, you know post game interview even said it. He was like, "We could feel it." You know, when you have somebody like that comes in who understands what's expected to play at a club like this, you know, we all felt it, and we all wanted to bust our ass for him, and you could see it. This this the the performance that Everton put in today was the type of performance that people expected to see throughout the year, and we haven't seen it. You know, none of these guys were playing up to their full potential. And this was really the first game we saw them play as an actual unit. Yeah, and I think it's it's funny. You kind of seeing a trend with managers as well. It, you know, Duncan Ferguson reminds me of like a Jurgen Klopp. He's just very animated, always hugging his players, very passionate with the fans. Um, but like even looking at Jose Mourinho now, he has changed completely in terms of a manager with his players. He's hugging uh, Hyung Song. He's hugging Deli Ali. He's hugging ball boys. You know, he's smiling. He's laughing. He's joking around. It's unbelievable to see the transition of that guy and a lot of these managers in the Prem. Um, and obviously, the players are loving it. Players are absolutely loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of Jose, we're going to move on to Spurs Burnley. Actually, wait, really quick before you move on. Okay. Uh, it's going to take a quick 30 seconds. Did you guys hear the newest coach linked to Everton? No. Unai Emery. No way. He had informal meetings with the Everton Brass, and oh uh, he gosh. wants to think about what his next steps are before he talks to them any further. If I'm Everton, okay. if I'm, Everton I'm sticking with Duncan for a little while. Uh, yeah, I'm rolling with Duncan until, yeah, I mean, that's what I would do. But I just wanted to bring that up because I saw that come up on my phone today, and I started dying laughing. Yeah, I saw that he's, <laughs> uh, he's been working on his English 
Uh, yeah, he's continuing his English lessons because he he might get a job in the prem. That would, that would be I would, very very interesting. That I would be interesting. I can't but, even um, imagine what that would look like. <laughs> uh, but one one more question, really quick, um, for Paul. Um, hey, Paul, does this game kind of show you who your true midfield really should be? Because I'm starting to think that Mason Mount needs to be your guy off the bench. Yeah, I I mean. Mason Mount, it's tough. Like we talked about with him, he goes missing for big, big stretches of the game, and you really can't have that. And in general, we have our midfield has been the best when we've had Conte, Kovacic, Jorginho as as the three in the middle. So I I don't think there's any question that that is our best midfield. Mason Mount brings something a little bit different in that. You know, he's almost like a Deli Ali in the position that he takes up. Yep. But um, we've gotten – when we've played with Conte, Kovacic, and Jorginho, Conte scored a couple goals. Jorginho scoring goals now. So I, I'm not really worried about the goal production, you know. But I, I think, yeah, it's pretty darn clear now. Awesome. That's what I thought too. All right, uh, moving on to Spurs, Burnley, uh, Ginger Mourinho against the special one. Um, Spurs absolutely dominated this game at home to Burnley. Two goals for Harry Kane. Lucas Moura gets on the score sheet. Son with, in my opinion, the goal of the season so far, he sprinted from his 18-yard box all the way to the other side of the pitch and put it in the back of the net. Absolutely unbelievable. If you haven't seen it, check out the highlight. Um, Sissoko gets a goal as well, and Spurs rebound after a loss to United. Um, Steven, do you agree with me? Goal of the year? Uh, If it's not number one, it's definitely top three. Uh, I I texted you immediately after I saw this goal. I was like, did you see Sun's goal? That was amazing. I mean, he he gets the ball. For anyone who hasn't seen it, he gets the ball at the top of his 18-yard box and dribbles it the entire length of the field and finishes it by himself without passing the ball to anybody. Yeah. Absolutely this this is literally the run that you dream about as a kid. Like yeah. that that is the run. It is unbelievable and this guy is just continues to play out of his mind. I mean if I would love to have a guy like this be like uh you know be our first guy off the bench for Liverpool or something like that. But this guy is so good. He has Cocky five fuck. goals. He's got five goals, nine assists. He's tearing up my fantasy team for me. But no, yeah, I mean Son is just a he's just a professional man. He is so good. And uh and he's so likable. He's so yeah, likable. That's, that's the thing. It, it, I mean, even when he got that, you know, he, he, they broke that guy's ankle. He was bawling his eyes out after. Like, dude, that's a guy I want to play with, man. Like, he actually gives a shit, and it's awesome. But, I mean, hey, uh, at the end of the day, though, Jose has these guys clicking on all cylinders. He loves this midfield. He loves this entire team, and um, he's, getting the, he's getting the most out of them, that's for sure. Yep. Yeah, Paul, uh, someone that we shat on last week, Harry Kane, for, you know, not being able to create on his own, being overrated. He gets two goals and an assist in this game. <laughs> Seems to be the general trend of this podcast that we shit on on a team or a person, and they end up performing well, really well the next game. But uh, They're I mean, listening. Yeah, they're, def- they're definitely listening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Harry Kane looked like his old self just finishing world-class uh finishes 
and also just being more involved in the play mm-hmm. and um, creating for his team, which is good to see. If you're a Spurs fan, um, I should have stuck with my guns and picked him as my fantasy player. Yeah, of you the picked league. him first. But uh, we'll see if he can keep it up. Uh, it's it's one thing to do it against Burnley when they give up five goals. We'll see if he can do it against some top sides. Yeah, he does look more lively, though. I mean, I, I did give a lot of crap to him. I kind of said he was more of a Johnny-on-the-spot guy. But especially since Mourinho has taken over, I've noticed that he's been combining a lot more with guys and getting more involved in the development, like, like you said, Paul. So I think we are seeing kind of the better side of Harry Kane now. And we actually now might be seeing him go on his – Harry Kane like roles that he can go on and you know gain a couple goals every game for a few games in a row. Yeah. Well, he can shoot, right? He can he can shoot from anywhere in the park, and that's that's where we saw or what we mm-hmm. saw on on the first goal. He had an absolute screamer from I must have been you know twenty five thirty yards out. It absolutely buries it on Burnley to kick off the game for Spurs. But um, but Stephen, yeah, Mourinho, like I just mentioned, he uh, he gives he's kind of transcended into this lovable character for Spurs and. We see him at the end of the game. Uh, he takes the game ball from Sun. They're having a laugh about it or whatever. He walks away and gives it to 17-year-old Troy Parrott. Yeah, I think Mourinho, uh, especially as you know, um, with his time being more of a critic, um, I think he's really heard you know the criticisms of him, and I think he's really trying to you know, improve on that. And you're seeing it right now with Tottenham. Um, He gave a really good interview talking about, you know, how, you know, his relationship with the players and what he's doing now at Tottenham. And, you know, somebody asked him like, you know, you know, Jose, is this the best team that you've ever inherited as a coach? He was like, you know, I love this team. That's not really fair to say, because I've coached a lot of really good players, blah, blah, blah. But he really mentioned how much he loves the attitude and the work ethic of this team and also specifically uh, of Son. You know, he, he mentioned, he was like, I've spoken to Son and his family numerous times. You know, what, why he's such a good player is because he's very coachable and he works his ass off. And, um, you know, you can really tell that Mo really loves his guys. But when it comes to Troy Parrott, I think that was a really awesome move. I mean, this kid's 17 years old. He's been really effective in their youth system as a forward. and He's going to be the forward of the future on this team. And the way that you can tell is the fact that when Mourinho took over the team, they made a point, and they even have said this numerous times, that our youth guys, they're not going to – our good youth guys are not going to stay in the system anymore. They're going to go out on loan. We're going to put them out on loan so they can get the playing time at the top level that they deserve. Right. That goes for everybody except for Troy Parrott. <laughs> Troy Parrott's staying in the system. So that goes to show the belief that they have and that Jose at 17 years old has given him this when Sun had the day that he did. Yeah. But showing him, hey, listen, I know you're only 17, but you're part of our future. We're thinking about you. And like, just take this as a memento because more, like, there's a lot more to come from you. That's really big of him. And that's going to have a really, I think, a big effect on this kid going forward. That game ball means a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, Paul, as a Mourinho fan, I mean, have you ever seen anything like this from Jose? <laughs> it's a new side of Mo. We're getting we're getting the the uh sensitive Mo. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it before. I mean, he's usually no. going to teams like United and struggling with Paul Pogba and guys like that, but now he's, you know, taking guys under his wing. Deli Alley's improving. Yep. And it, it's 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 great to see. 
Well, what's really cool too is that remember before Mourinho took over and Pochettino was the, was still there, and we kept talking like, oh, like there must be something going on, like Batalgan's probably banging Erickson's wife, or you know, like whatever the fuck was going on. Like you, you could tell that there was something going on internally that was messing everything up. Now Mourinho comes in and everyone's just happy go lucky and everything's different. Like you got you got to praise the guy; he's doing a great job. Yep. Yeah, we said it last week that he literally took Erickson aside and said, "What do you want for your future?" Yeah, taking a player like that and just uh, approaching him like that and having that conversation is something that will put the team at ease and everybody can move forward, which is clearly what they've done. But um, but yeah, moving on to Aston Villa against Leicester City. Um, this was a this was a really good game in the first half. Mm-hmm. I mean. Leicester looked the better side, but Villa, like they have all all season, they kind of stuck around. They hung in there. They got a goal. Um, so it was a very close game in the first half. Uh, Vardy ended up getting two goals, though. Ian Nacho gets a goal and an assist. Not getting much playing time at the start of the season, but Brennan Rodgers is putting him his, uh, putting his trust in the kid mm-hmm. after uh, Yotze Perez went down. Um, and Johnny Evans, Johnny on the spot, gets a goal. I never thought I'd say that ever again. Um, <laughs> yeah, and obviously, right. Jack Grealish hits a sole goal for, for Aston Villa. But, but Steven, Jamie Vardy, like I said in the opener, he's, this guy's absolutely having a party. 16 goals, eight consecutive matches with a goal, and he's coming up on his record of 11 consecutive matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, he was my uh, second overall pick in my fantasy draft, and it's looking really, really good right now. Steel. Because this guy is absolutely – he's looking like the Jamie Vardy of the, you know, the, title, uh, the title team of Leicester. They actually have three more points right now than they did the year they won the title. So this goes to show how, how well they're playing right now. But, uh, yeah. And how shit the, uh, the other teams were when they won the title. Uh, very true. <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just sick and tired, though, of uh, – the disrespect that Leicester's gotten all year yep. to this point. It, it, it seems like it took until this past week of Man City losing for people to finally say, like, oh, you know, Leicester, Leicester's still there, only down by eight points. It's like, guys, they've been here all year. They've been playing great. Um, obviously, Vardy's the in the way, but Madison had a hell of a game. And like you said, Ian Nacho just coming out of nowhere. You know, I, uh, I'm i really concerned going forward about Perez's spot on the team just, just because of how well Ian just played the last two games. I know, I know it's been against kind of lower-level teams, but still, um, he's, he's been really, really effective. And from all the way from the, yeah, the two center backs, you know, um, you know the one that replaced uh, McGuire. And, Soyuncu. And, yeah, and then the, the fossil himself, Johnny Evans, like holding down that back line. Like only 10 goals given up, they're crushing it. Yep. Yeah, Paul, that that was my question to you. I mean, Leicester is like we I think we've said in the past they're leading the league in goals against. They have uh they have 10. I think Liverpool's in second with 14. But, you know, Pereira, Chilwell, they're looking unbelievable on the wings. Pereira especially, I think is yeah. one of the most exciting right backs in the world. Yep. Um, but Johnny Evans, like this guy was at Man United a decade ago. He went to, I think, Fulham or one of those teams for a little while uh, at the bottom of the table. And now he comes to Leicester, finds himself in second place. And this guy's Soyuncu. Like, Brandon Rogers, just doing a great job with his defense. Yeah, good, good for Johnny Evans. Uh, he deserves a little, little good fortune and making a little run like this for 
all the hard times he's had. <laughs> but um yeah, as much as Jamie Vardy's tearing it up and and uh and uh some of these other guys uh scoring goals for Leicester, their defense is really what's made them uh set them apart from the other teams. Yep. And uh shout out to Peace Move, uh the big Turkish fan and big fan of our podcast, Soyon Chu. Uh, Turkish international just plugging right in there and having a heck of a season already being linked with Man City possible move but it's it's something about this this Leicester team um, switching managers you know plugging in new players you know for a big guy like like uh, Harry Maguire and just being yeah. better than they've ever been before yeah I think that's for me, really the story of the Celeste team, and you can talk about their offense all day long. That's just the Brendan Rodgers system. That offense is always going to perform. But the issue he had at Liverpool was his defense. You know, Brendan Rodgers' team uh, in 13-14 season, they were always scoring goals. You know, Raheem Sterling, Luis Suarez, Daniel Sturridge, Steven Gerrard. They were putting up numbers every single game. But it was always a close game for the most part because of their defense. Their defense was terrible. And but now you see him, he's clearly learned his lesson from that from that champion running side um with Leicester. And they're just unbelievable at the back. Um yeah, yeah. yeah I mean I, I, there's two things actually. Um on the lead up to the Leicester game this against Villa, uh Jamie Carragher interviewed uh Brendan Rogers. So it was you know talking about all the levels of the team. Um, so the couple of things I wanted to point out is number one, what he said about Wilfried and Didi. And I think Wilfried and Didi is one of the most underrated players in the premier league. I mean, this guy yep, literally plays by himself in the number six role on that team. And he prefers to play that way. He plays way better when he has nobody next to him. And he knows that this entire territory is his, he's a great ball interceptor. He goes in the tackles hard. He's a little bit goofy on the ball as the way he moves and everything, but it, it's fine. It, it reminds me of uh, Mohamedou Sako almost. Um, but, um, yeah, he moves great, and he's a really key piece of that team. But the other thing that I really noticed, and I think this is why that we're seeing uh, the best of Jamie Vardy again, is if you remember last year, Jamie Vardy was one of the best pressing forwards in the league. You know, he was averaging like two interceptions a game up top. He was pressuring the wingers. I mean, they had, I mean the outside yep. backs and the center backs. He was going everywhere. And uh, his touches were only about 10% in the box. Now, this year, Rodgers has him staying high and only pressuring the center backs. And since then, his, his touches in the box have gone from 10% to 25%. He's averaging like two or three more shots a game. And, yes, his defensive numbers have uh, obviously have gone down but his offensive numbers have gone up significantly. And I think that is where, where the biggest two things are is Wilfried and Diddy really stepping up in that defensive role. And then Jamie Vardy being way more efficient up top. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you, uh, when you saw N'Golo Conte go to Chelsea on that, uh, on that big fee, I wasn't sure if Lester would be able to replace him. And I, I really think I, I completely agree with what you said about Ndidi. He is unbelievable in the center of the park holding holding uh, that midfield down and and you know being the first line of, of defense in a way um 
but it's just it's unbelievable what he's done. He's so overlooked. He is so overlooked in this league. I mean, when I think about the best center defensive mids in the league, I always think about you know Fabinho, maybe Jorginho's in there. But I guess Af- Rodri, yeah, yeah, those guys. <laughs> I I never Kante, he hasn't sure. been playing. He hasn't been playing center defensive mid though. He's been playing but, box to box. He, he's been playing more of the Henderson role that Henderson's been playing this year. Right, but I, no one ever thinks about Ndidi, and uh, clearly he's. I think he's making a statement this mm. season. But um, but but Paul and Steven, you know, Lester or Lester play Norwich next, but then they play City at the Etihad, and then Liverpool at home on Boxing Day. So probably an easier match for them this coming weekend, and then two colossal matches with the two big dogs of the Premier League. Yeah, I think um I think those two games are going to be pretty significant in the title race overall, but um honestly, I if I had if I had to guess how many points, you know, Leicester would get out of the games against us and City, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they get away with four points, if they beat City and tie Liverpool. I, I would not be surprised at all with how they're playing right now. Um, I think Liverpool's when – when that game comes, we're, we're really going to miss the having Fabinho in the lineup. Um, and against – and we know the, the City, man, uh, you know, back line situation. So, I think Leicester's in a really, really good position to get a couple points back here. Yep, we're going to figure out just how good they are mm-hmm. in those two games back-to-back. It's not going to be easy for them, but it's going to be exciting, that's for sure. I mean, you got to think that Jamie Vardy's going to be licking his chops, though, for that City game. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah. absolutely. Because especially if they have to – if, if um, you know, uh, Guardiola continues to go with the method he's been doing and he puts Fernandinho back there, Vardy's just going to run circles around him. That would, that would be very, very bad. Yep. And Otamendi. I would love to see Otamendi against Vardy well, again. John Stones, well, John Stones left the game injured, so he's probably going to have to play. Yep. 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 Not good for my fantasy team. Um, and finally, the last game of game week 16, West Ham at home to Arsenal today. Today. Arsenal finally get a win. Shane Samwell, wherever the hell he is, is jumping for joy. 3-1 to one to Arsenal. <laughs> Went down, so they went down to West Ham, uh, one nothing in the first half. But they came back with three goals in the second from Martinelli, Pepe, and Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. And I actually saw a stat. I'm not sure if it's true, but this is the first time in eight years that Arsenal have been down at halftime and came back and won. And wow. If that's the case, that is unbelievable for Freddie Umberg and Paul. Freddie Umberg, he, he gets his first win as manager and. Arsenal get their first win in, in eight Premier League games. Yeah, I got to feel good for the guy. A little, little pressure off of, off of his back getting that first win. But we'll see. He's got a big job ahead of him. They didn't look good, you know, the first even, what was it, 60 minutes plus of that game. Right. And they just kind of switched it on. But um, getting Nicolas Pepe, who was my player of the game, going um, – and really making the difference for Arsenal, that's huge for him, and he's going to have to keep in that form. Yeah, you know, I, I said again last week, and I was, I was right again, this, uh, this Pepe guy, he's going to be unbelievable. He, I mean, they bought him for 72 million pounds. He gets a goal and an assist in this game. Um, and I was, watching, I was watching some of it. He just, he's just waiting to light up the league. 
he has the pace, he has the skill, he has that left foot, and he can just put defenders on their heels immediately. Um, and for me, I'm really excited to see what he can do. If he has a guy like Ozil playing at the level that Ozil can play at, he is going to feed Aubameyang, he's going to score goals, and I, I mean, I think, I think he'll end up being a really good buy for the, for the Gunners. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, Pepe's just one of those guys. He kind of falls into the category of, um, you know, like the, the Naby Keitas, Fabinho, if you're, if you're a Liverpool fan, where it, it takes time, you know, especially with that style of play. If you don't hit the ground running, then you just got to understand it's going to take some time for them to, to, to really get going. And if you, if you do cut bait that quickly, it could be bad. But um, it, it, it really seems like now, after about you know four or five months in the league, he's starting to finally maybe turn the corner a little bit and starts you know becoming the player that everyone thinks he can be. Yeah, it seems like the guys from the from the French league have a tough time adjusting to the Prem. I mean, obviously it's the Farmers League and they have a you know a easy win pretty much week in and week out. But you know you have Pepe, you have Fabinho. You have Bakayoko. I mean, these guys struggled in their first games, and guys like Bakayoko never recovered, obviously. Um, but it's it, – I don't know if it's the league or, or what it is, but obviously the Prem is taking some time to to adjust to. Um, but, but Steven, Ozil looked back to his, his great self that he, that he can be, and he was kind of pulling the strings for Arsenal in a way. Yeah, I thought he looked great. I mean, he played like – uh, you know, shades of himself when he was over at, uh, at over at Madrid. And it was exactly what Arsenal needed. I mean, they still had some of the same problems in the back line. But, I mean, we, we can talk about Arsenal's, you know, pathetic back line every week. But, you know, yeah. I think I think their attacking, their attacking play definitely deserves some credit today. Um, Ozil, you know, he had two really key passes in the game, and they were both beautiful. I mean, he – when when Ozil's on, I mean, he just makes the game look so easy. It's just like he's just kind of looking around and just all he has to do is just snap his ankle really quick and the ball just goes exactly where he wants it to. Um, but really the main guy for me, and I've been talking about this guy for like a couple of months now, Mar- uh, Martinelli. And it, it, it was shocking me under Unai Emery that he was not starting every single game. Like, this guy has shown me enough to run him out there every single game, uh, you know, uh, in the Premier League. Because he's, he's a really good, pretty young talent there. Obviously, Pepe is coming into form. You know, we're going to get with Aubameyang, another great game from him. But this Martinelli kid, you know, he makes a lot of things happen. I, I remember watching him in that 5-4 to four game, uh, the cup game against Liverpool. He was so much fun. He was so much fun. And he, he's another class talent that they have there that could definitely be something in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he did play a little bit last year um, in Europa League. Uh, he actually did really well there, but clearly Freddie's going to give him some opportunities, um, and I think he'll end up rewarding the manager. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, moving on to some other score lines uh, of the weekend, we had Watford at home to Palace. This game sucked. This game <laughs> was absolutely brutal. It was an open game. It was a stalemate. Um, I was watching it in both sides. You know, they were creating chances, but they lacked that finishing quality and they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. It was very frustrating to watch. Mm-hmm. So I ended up turning it off. But uh, it was a draw, 0-0, Watford and Palace. Um, Newcastle against Southampton. 
another result for Newcastle. You know, they, they tied City, they beat Sheffield, and our boy Junjo. Junjo. Yeah, both of our boys, Junjo and Ings, getting goals. Yeah, we I know everyone on this podcast loves both of these guys. And um, hey, Newcastle is on fire right now, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it going next week. Yep. Yeah, and, you know, next game we had Norwich against Sheffield. Um, I thought Norwich might have been able to grind out a uh, a tie here, but but Sheffield ended up getting the result 2-1 to one at Norwich and uh, no Pookie goal, unfortunately. And uh, that was the problem, man. Like, I can't even say it today because he didn't score, and it really grinds my that's gears because right. that's all I want to do. That was my pick. That was my pick. Yeah, but I mean that's I mean I think like this this result was kind of kind of almost what I was expecting from Sheffield because this is what this is what they do they get the lead and they just grind it out and um, yep. yeah exactly what what I expected good result for them um, and then they have another uh, another big match next week too yeah and finally uh, two very interesting teams in the Premier League this year uh, Brighton at home against Wolves two two tie. I mean, Brighton, as I've said in the past, have really been impressing me rec- uh, recently, and I was very surprised that they kept with Wolves. I mean, Wolves are in fifth place right now. They're playing fantastic football, um, and they ended up drawing 2-2. Yeah, Wolves, yeah, both these teams, I think I even said I think I took this game as a draw last week, and both of these games, I mean, both these teams, you, you love to watch them. They, they work as a team. They work really hard. Uh, Wolves, I think, have a little bit more talent than Brighton does, but uh, Brighton's form uh, right now—they've been playing all the to- all the top teams really tough, and I think the two-two draw was fair. Yep, and can't forget Wolves have the Europa League competition to, to right. play in this this season. So, I think that's held them back in a few games um, when they when the games coincide with their prem games, but. I mean, fifth place, place, like you said, you can't ask for much more if you're a Wolves fan. Quick correction, actually. Wolves are in sixth place, and there you go. Brighton are in 12th. My apologies. But um, let's, preview, no. let's preview this weekend's games. Um, I'm going to start. Liverpool have the early morning game here in the States at home Hell to yeah. Watford. Watford are bottom of the table. I'm going to go out on the limb here and say that Liverpool are going to spank these guys. Um, even with the appointment of their new manager, I, I don't think they can come into Anfield and get a result. I'm going 3 nothing Liverpool. Uh, um, mm-hmm. And I think my man Divock Ori gets on the score sheet. Divock. Love him. All right. Next game, we got Burnley at home against Newcastle. Newcastle is scorching hot right now, but also Burnley is at home, which is my one of my two places where I say you don't want to play. Yep. Um, because of that, I'm I'm going to take a draw, a one-one draw. You know, Burnley is going to have that home advantage, but Newcastle has been playing hot. I think Newcastle is going to get a good goal, but have a uh, a mental mistake in the back line to allow Burnley to get back into it. One-one draw. Yeah, and, and Burnley just got absolutely spanked at home by Spurs. So, I mean, they have something to prove here. And, you know, Ginger Moe is going to get him uh, – he's going to get him excited and ready to play. Damn oh, he's, he's going to be all over their asses. They're going to mm-hmm. come out ready to go. All right, next game, Chelsea-Bournemouth at the bridge. Uh, bounce back game for Chelsea. I fully expect them to take care of business. Bournemouth likely – We'll have some injuries uh, still for that game as well. 
I'm going 3-1 Blues. 3-1 Blues. Okay. Uh, Leicester, Norwich, the next game of the weekend. Um, I think Leicester just keeps on rolling. Jamie Vardy's party is going all night long. Mm-hmm. And these guys, I don't think they let up a goal in this game. I don't think our man Pookie gets on the score sheet again. Uh-huh. I'm going 4 nothing. Leicester wow. at home at the King Power Stadium. Bold strategy, Cotton. Oh, yeah. Cotton. So oh, yeah. pays off for him. All right, so next one, the last 10 o'clock game, we have uh, Sheffield United at home against Aston Villa. Um, I love how Villa's been playing. I know they lost 4-1 to Leicester last week, but, again, I thought they played extremely well in the first half. Um, Leicester's defense has actually been concerning me a little bit the last couple couple weeks. Uh, They've been a little bit shaky back there. And I think with Graylish's form, that could end up being the difference in this game. I'm going to take an upset. I'm going to take Aston Villa 1, Sheffield United 0. Bold strategy. And that's not even my upset of the week either. Oh! (laughs) I like it. Mike dropped. Mike dropped. Paul. All right. Southampton, West Ham. At Southampton. West Ham with today's loss. Manager Pellegrini in the hot seat. Seriously in the hot seat. Wouldn't be surprised to see him go before this one. But reports saying he'll get this at least this game, maybe one more to prove. I agree. Um, Still, Southampton's in good form. And at home, I expect them to get the job done. I'm going 2-0 Southampton. Mm, 2-0 Southampton. Danny Ings on the score sheet? Oh, you know it. Fantasy player of the week. Ooh, teaser. That's right. Sunday, first game, we have United against Everton. United's at home. Um, I think Everton had a great result last week. That was my upset of the week against Chelsea. I don't think there's an upset this week. I think that United take care of business at home. Um, I, you know, I think Marcus Rashford is going to be too much for that, for that Everton defense. And I think uh, Daniel James just runs all over them as well. I'm gonna go two, two to two nothing. I'm gonna go two nothing United. Okay, mm. right. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Um, so second nine o'clock slate game on Sunday. We have Wolves hosting Spurs and the special one. Big game. Um, Big this game. Is, this is a this is a massive game. Whoever pretty much whoever wins this game is gonna be in fifth place. Um, I mean Mourinho has his boys playing up. Uh, I think Nuno over at Wolves is, you know, he has been doing a hell of a job over the last couple of years. Um, I think this is going to be a nail biter, going to come down to the wire. Um, I'm going to take, oh boy, uh, I'm going to take Spurs two to one, but uh, it's going to be, this is going to be a bloodbath. This is going to be a great game. You might don't sound a, too confident. Might be a draw. Might yeah. be a draw. I, I was thinking one, one draw, but I already have one of those. So I'm going to go two to one. I like it. I like it. Spurs. Uh, so our game of the week, clearly the game of the week, Sunday, 1130. Um, Arsenal at home to Man City. <sighs> Two very shit mm-hmm. defenses going against each <laughs> other. Uh, I'm going to start. I think I think this ends 2-2. I think that Arsenal... 2-2. I think that Arsenal... Uh, you know, that that is, I guess, an upset for City. But I think that Arsenal... Um, have 
got some life back in them after today's game. They proved that they, yeah, they can score goals. Yeah, they can win games. And I think City's defense can will not be able to contain Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang or even uh, Nicolas Pepe. Two two at the Emirates. I'll go for it. I'll go next. All right. Um, Yeah, Arsenal City. So, in my opinion, the key, the key in this game, in my opinion, is going to be how does the center attacking mid on Arsenal play? Is that going to be Ozil? And is he going to play well? Whoever plays in that role, if they if they play a good game, that's going to decide how this game goes. Um, At the end of the day, I. I just think that Man City's front three is better than Arsenal's front three and that Man City's midfield is better than Arsenal's midfield, and I think that's going to decide the game. So I'm going to take City over Arsenal 3-1. to one. Yep, I share the same sentiment, Stephen. 3-1 Man City. I think Gunners may have a shot at pulling off a draw depending if they start David Luiz or not. They did. They did not start David Luiz today. <laughs> He's trash. He's and so they, bad. And they won the game. Okay, so the, I, this is a warning for Freddie. Freddie, don't do it. Keep him on the bench. Don't do well, it, Freddie. Well, well, if you had, if you had to decide between David Luiz, Mustafi, or taking a bullet to the head, what do you pick? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, tough, I, tough choice. I would, I would step down. Just, <laughs> just let me step down. For that step reason, down. I'm out. That's right. I will say that the draw is going for plus four twenty five on the money line for all you betters out there. Mm, okay. Uh, Paul, round us off with Palace Brighton. All right. So Palace Brighton taking place at Palace. Brighton, as we said, has been in pretty darn good form. I'm still. T- I still like Palace. They're struggling a little bit, but going back, um, let's see. They tied last weekend, and then I believe they had two games. um, Yep. And then they played Liverpool. So since Liverpool, they haven't allowed a goal. They've kept clean sheets. I think they're going to do that at home, and they're going to beat Brighton 2-0. Palace, tough place to go. Really yep. is Selhurst. Uh, all right, let's uh, finish off this episode with fantasy player of the week and upset of the week. My fantasy player of the week. Uh, Liverpool are going to Salzburg tomorrow. They are playing, um, obviously Salzburg in the Champions League, and I think they're going to go with Mo Salah, Mane, and Firmino up top. So that means. Uh, one of those three, if not two of those three, aren't going to be playing against against Watford. I'm going with Divock Origi. I mean, he looked absolutely world class when he uh, when he played last time, and I just think that he is going to be on the score sheet, maybe even get an assist. I like it, Andrew. Uh, Paul. All right, so I'm going with upset of the week. Burnley over Newcastle. Uh, Surprisingly, Burnley at home, they're the underdogs against Newcastle. Uh, As we said, Newcastle's been hot, and they've been scoring goals. Yep. John Joe in the middle of it. Love to see it. But Ginger Moe's going to have his guys fired up and ready to go for this one. And as we've discussed earlier, Turf Moor, it's not an easy place to go. They're, They're crazy up there, so. 
I'm taking Burnley in this game, 2-1. Burnley, 2-1 at Burnley. I love it. That was your upset? That's my upset. Fantasy player of the week, Danny Ings. He's been hot, scoring goals. Southampton in good form, and they're playing a bottom feeder, West Ham, under pressure. They're going to they're gonna tear him up and score some goals. Danny Ings. All right, well, if you're doing upset of the week, then I will add my upset of the week. Um, I am going to go uh, opposite of Steven. I'm going Wolves. I think that Nuno gets it done at home. Um, there, it's plus 230 on the money line to pick Wolves. It's a really good bet. You know, it's Spurs, it's going to be a good game. I, you know, the betting man in me probably should have picked the draw, but I really want that 230. It looks so, <laughs> so good. It looks so, so good. And I forgot to add, my fantasy player of the week last week was Mo Salah. He had a goal and an assist. He's back. Uh, he's firing on all on all cylinders, and so are Liverpool. My upset of the week last week was Everton over Chelsea. I am firing on all cylinders. Yes, you are. This. Let's go. Steven. All right. So I'm not as hot as my brother right now. Um, <laughs> so, But, you know, my fantasy player of the week, last week I went with Wilfried Zaha going up against Watford. That clearly did not work out. That was probably the worst game of the week, and uh, he did not put up many points other than starting the game. Um, but this week, feeling way better about my pick. I know that this guy is going to light it up, and that is Raheem Sterling going against Arsenal and that awful, awful back line that they have. I expect at least a goal, maybe even an assist out of him. I'm expecting a really big week from Sterling. Now, when I go over to my upset of the week, last week I gave you the West Ham over Arsenal. Uh, obviously, Arsenal had three goals in nine minutes, so that didn't work out. Um, but this one, I'm going to ride with my friends over on the other side of Merseyside, and that is Everton over United at Old Trafford for plus 380. Let's go. My boy, Duncan, the dunk, is going to ride into <laughs> – Old Trafford, stick it to Ole, and the boys are going to get three points because, like we see, like we talked about earlier in the episode, Man United cannot beat the bottom half of the table. That's right. I like that pick, Steven. Wow. You love to see it, kids. Um, All right, we're done with this episode. Episode five of the top four review. Paul, any last words? Let's go, Blues. Let's get back on track. Steven, any last words? No, up to Reds. Follow us on Twitter. Five follow stars. Us, follow us on Twitter, Top 4 Review Podcast. And please, please give us five stars. Subscribe. Unsubscribe if you haven't. And resubscribe. Give us that shit. You know you earned it. Or we earned it. Let's go.